episode 15 of the second season of Grace Touch in English. We are continuing on our preparation for Rosh Hashanah and this is our final podcast on the topic. We are going to look at where our faith stands when we're faced with adversity, when we're being tested and tried, when we're being attacked. Where are we with our faith? It's a good time to reassess and reset as needed and we'll look at Psalm 27 for that. So, as we've been discussing, this is the month of Elul, or Elul, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, which is an acronym for I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. It's the month of preparation for Rosh Hashanah, the start of the new year. Traditionally, in Jewish religious, religious practices, Psalm 27 is an important part of the spiritual preparation for Rosh Hashanah. Why? Why is that the case? So let's look at a few sources. During this month of Elul, Psalm 27 is read twice daily. Um, and this psalm is very interesting because it seems to be, at first look, almost like two psalms in one. The first half of the psalm talks about confidence, assurance. While the enemy is approaching, preparing, attacking, the psalmist is calm. He has an attitude as if he's above all danger and he's sacrificing to the Lord and thanking the Lord. Okay, so it's all about um, the peace of oneness, unity with God. There's no real doubt or questioning of where he stands. The second half, however, is completely different, radically opposite, in fact. There's a desperate cry out to God, a pleading before God, a request for God to draw close. Do not forsake me. Do not hide your face. Do not abandon me. The psalmist seems to be abandoned by everyone and surrounded by enemies. To the point where, at one point he says, if he hadn't the confidence that he would enjoy the blessing, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, the worst could have happened to him. We will read the psalm to give you a clearer view of what I'm talking about. But I'll read it and also I'll read it in two versions. Okay, so I encourage you, I say we will read it because I encourage you as you listen to open your Bibles. But these two parts are indeed one, one psalm. Because the two halves testify to the importance of the unity of drawing close to God, drawing confidence from God. Okay? And this is, seems to be the ideal preparation for a new start for Rosh Hashanah. Because it's always important to check where we're at with our faith. It's always important to check where we're at with how well we are able to believe in God's promises for us over what we see with our physical eyes. We are spiritual beings first and foremost, even though it might seem to be the opposite because the physical world screams, I often say. We are first and foremost physical beings. Our physical beings have existed since time immemorial. 
That is who we are. And we need to be reunited with our spiritual beings and be attuned to what's happening in the spirit realm because that is what impacts the physical realm. So this is an introduction. Let's move on to reading the Word of God. So we're going to read Psalms 27 in two versions. We will start with the Passion Translation. Fearless faith. David's poetic praise to God before he was anointed king. The Lord is my revelation light to guide me along the way. He's the source of my salvation to defend me every day. I fear no one. I'll never turn back and run from you, Lord. Surround and protect me. When evil ones come to destroy me, they will be the ones who turn back. My heart will not be afraid, even if an army rises to attack. I know that you are there for me, so I will not be shaken. Here's the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. In his shelter in the day of trouble, that's where you'll find me, for he hides me there in his holiness. He has smuggled me into his secret place, where I'm kept safe and secure, out of reach from all my enemies. Triumphant now, I'll bring him my offerings of praise, singing and shouting with ecstatic joy. Yes, listen, and you can hear the fanfare of my shouts of praise to the Lord. God, hear my cry. Show me your grace. Show me mercy and send the help I need. Lord, when you said to me, seek my face, my inner being responded. I'm seeking your face with all my heart. So don't hide yourself, Lord, when I come to find you. You're the God of my salvation. How can you reject your servant in anger? You've been my only hope, so don't forsake me now when I need you. My father and mother abandoned me. I'm like an orphan. But you took me in and made me yours. Now teach me all about your ways and tell me what to do. Make it clear for me to understand, for I am surrounded by waiting enemies. Don't let them defeat me, Lord. You can't let me fall into their clutches. They keep accusing me of things I've never done while they plot evil against me. Yet I totally trust you to rescue me one more time so that I can see once again how good you are while I'm still alive. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. Now, I don't know about you, but this translation is really poetic and inspiring. It really touches my heart. And I really believe through this psalm, we can find the strength to reassess, to regroup, to come with the Lord and say, okay, where am I with you? How am I doing with this oneness? How am I doing with trusting you in the face of adversity? How am I doing with trusting you when things look really bad? How am I doing with believing what you say about me over what I see with my eyes? God has never changed. 
he will never change. Before I do the full commentary of what comes to my heart as I read these, let's read the second version. So we're going to read the complete Jewish Bible version. Tehillim 27 by David. Adonai is my light and salvation. Whom do I need to fear? Adonai is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When evildoers assailed me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they stumbled and fell. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If war breaks out against me, even then I will keep trusting. Just one thing have I asked of Adonai. Only this will I seek. To live in the house of Adonai all the days of my life. To see the beauty of Adonai and visit in his temple. For he will conceal me in his shelter on the day of trouble. He will hide me in the folds of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be lifted up above my surrounding foes. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing. Sing praises to Adonai. Listen, Adonai, to my voice when I cry. Show favor to me and answer me. My heart said of you, seek my face. Your face, Adonai, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You are my help. Don't abandon me. Don't leave me, God my Savior. Even though my father and mother have left me, Adonai will care for me. Teach me your way, Adonai. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Don't give me up to the whims of my foes, for false witnesses have risen against me, also those who are breathing violence. If I hadn't believed that, I would see Adonai's goodness in the land of the living. Put your hope in Adonai. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, put your hope in Adonai. Let's let the word of God sink in. The word of God is powerful, a double-edged sword. That separates between our soul and our spirit, amongst other things. Let the word of God penetrate in our very beings and heal us. And reattune us to who we are in him. We see in this psalm that David is surrounded. David is under heavy pressure. David is experiencing attacks from every side. And he shows us two ways of reacting to that, those situations. In the first half, from 1 to 7 of this Psalm 27, he starts by declaring who Adonai is. That's the ideal place to start. Who is God? What is his nature? He is our light and our salvation. This is truth, powerful truth. So who do we need to fear knowing that Adonai is our life and salvation? Then he says, Adonai is the stronghold of his life. Of whom should he be afraid? We start from there. We should not start from where we're at. We should not start from our failures. We should not start from the level of attack we're experiencing. We need to start from who God is. 
And the logical conclusion to that truth is that when evildoers assail him to devour his flesh, it is his adversaries and foes who stumble and fall. He's speaking in the past tense here, so he's referring to past victories that God has given him when he was faced with severe attack. These are really harsh words. Evildoers assailed me to devour my flesh. His adversaries and foes, they stumbled and fell. He moves on to another one. On the basis of what God has done in the past for him, David says, if an army encamps against him, that's verse 3, his heart will not fear. If war breaks out against him, even then he will keep trusting. And he knows exactly the one thing that is needed for him to be able to keep trusting. And this is the one thing he's asking God to do for him. That God will allow him to live in his house all the days of his life, that he will be able to contemplate the beauty of Adonai and visit in his temple. Because he knows that God is the only one who can conceal him in his shelter on the day of trouble. He knows that God in his faithfulness will hide him in the folds of his tent. He will set him high on a rock. And when God does that, his head will be lifted up above his surrounding foes. It doesn't mean the foes have gone. It doesn't mean the attacks have gone. It doesn't mean the enemy has yielded yet. But his head is lifted up above his surrounding foes. And he will offer in his tent, in God's tent, sacrifices with shouts of joy. Sacrifices of praise which are offered to God regardless of his circumstances. He is determined to sing, to sing praises to Adonai. That's extraordinary. That is extraordinary. That's an extraordinary example of the way we are to react when we are surrounded by enemies and foes and attacks that literally threaten to kill us. And let's look at the second part from verse 7. Obviously, well, that is my interpretation at least, David has just experienced another onslaught from the enemy. This shows us that we have to constantly, daily, and sometimes probably several times a day, reset our minds, determine once again, again and again and again, as many times as needed, to choose to worship him, to choose to praise him, to choose to believe his promises over our circumstances. So in the, in the face of this new attack, he turns to Adonai. His starting point in the two parts of this psalm is always Adonai. Verse 7, listen Adonai to my voice when I cry. Show favor to me and answer me. He's obviously troubled again, David. He's obviously blinded to the assurance of God for a brief moment because he quickly steps up again. He cries out to God, which is the best thing to do. When Hagar found herself in the desert, sent away by her mistress, with a baby she didn't have anything to feed, she didn't have water to give to that baby, she cried out to God and he sent an angel to minister to her. To her. And that is a place of intimacy because that is when she knew God as El she, she, he, he made a covenant with her and revealed to her a name that no one knew, a facet of his personality that no one knew before her. Adonai revealed himself as the God who sees to Hagar in the place of extreme distress. The place of extreme distress, if we cry out to God, is a place where we will develop deep intimacy with him. Verse 7, David says, Listen, Adonai, to my voice when I cry. Show favor to me and answer me. My heart said of you, Seek my face. Your face, Adonai, I will seek. This is the determination of a man who is under severe attack. He says, I will seek your face. No matter what the enemy throws at me, I will seek your face. As we head into a new year, let's determine to seek God's face in the face of adversity. 
as I'm talking to you in this podcast, I have experienced the onslaught of the enemy. Some of it due to some of my own mistakes. Some of it due to the fact that the enemy simply hates children of God who are doing their best to walk in his ways. So I know what I'm talking about. As I sit in my own cave, I determine like David to cry out to God and say, I will seek your face. Verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. I encourage you at this point, whatever you think you've done, that will separate you from God's love. That is simply not true. That is a lie. God loves you. There is this saying sometimes in Christian circles that God sees us through the blood of Jesus. No, he knows us. He's the one who came up with a plan of coming as a man, as the son of man. For our salvation. He loves us. He doesn't need to look at you through glasses tinted with the blood of Jesus. As poetic and pretty as that sounds, that's simply not true. God loves you. God loves me. There's nothing we can do that can separate us from his love. You don't believe me? Read in the Old Testament. How many times did God relent from sending punishment to Israel? Even in under the law where every, every sin had to be punished in a very specific way. How many times did God relent? God loves us. He 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 loves us. Nothing can change that. So when David says, do not hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. I'm guessing it's because he thinks that there are things that he has done. Being a man of justice and truth. Whose heart is pleasing, is pleasing to God. He's a man of honesty. He knows that he's certainly done things that justify God striking him in anger. But he also knows the goodness of God. He's tasted his goodness. By the way, tasting and seeing God's goodness implies that we are ready to be honest about our sin and repent and confess our sin. Come into agreement, stand in his court and say, I have sinned. What the enemy is accusing me of is true. But I'm clothed in your robes of righteousness, rest, robes of righteousness, and on the basis and solely on the basis of Jesus' blood, sacrifice, resurrection, I stand in your court saying, I repent. And God's answer to that will always be not guilty. Hear me out here. I'm not encouraging us to continue in sin. I've said that before in past podcasts. But I'm encouraging us to not believe the lies of the enemy. There is nothing that can separate us from his love. The Apostle Paul says that as well. Be reminded of God's unending love for you today. Verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You are my help. Don't abandon me. Don't leave me, God, my Savior. David is recognizing here that there is, no, there is salvation in no other. He's not putting his trust in his intelligence, in his knowledge of war, in, in, in horses, as, as the Bible often puts it. He's not putting his trust in man-made solutions. He's putting in trust in God, his Savior. Verse 10, he says, Even though my father and mother have left me, Adonai will care for me. I was thinking about this. Some of you may be experiencing that or may have experienced that, the abandonment of father and mother. It may also be your perception that your father and mother have left you when actually you're the one who has left them. No judgment. I'm just saying there are different scenarios. It may also simply be that you're an orphan, that both your father and mother have died. And while you may be an orphan, in the physical realm, you're not an orphan in the spiritual realm because Adonai will care for you. Verse 10. Adonai will care for you. He is your father and your mother. He is your everything. Then verse 11, David asks the Lord for strategies. Strategies to overcome the enemy. 
That's spectacular. This psalm is so full of gems. Teach me your way, Adonai. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. He wants God, who is the supreme intelligence. There's no better strategy than God. He wants God to reveal to him the strategies to overcome the enemy, to lead him on a level path, a path where his foot is, is stable, where he doesn't stumble, where he doesn't fall, where he doesn't trip, where the enemy's traps, he sees them from a distance and is able to avoid them. Verse 12, don't give me up to the whims of my foes, for false witnesses have risen against me, also those who are breathing violence. And this is what happens, you see, when we stumble or fall or we're under attack by the enemy. As I said earlier, there might be some things that happen to us because we've opened the doors to the enemy by sin or by disobeying God. But in then, in that, in that very, um, while we might be reaping some of the consequences of what we've sown, the enemy will always add accusations that are not deserved, that are not true. He enters through the window. He's the thief. The Bible makes reference to that several times. In this, this last part of verse 12, he says, also those who are breathing violence. David is driven to desperation by this onslaught. He's driven to desperation. So if you've been here, take heart at this point. Because then he says, verse 13, if I hadn't believed that I would see Adonai's goodness in the land of the living, and he doesn't finish that sentence, and that hints at the worst possible outcome. Maybe he was thinking of putting an end to his life. So if this is something that you're thinking of or you've thought of in the past, of killing yourself, don't. 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 Don't do it. Believe that you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. David says, if I hadn't believed that I would see Adonai's goodness in the land of the living, and he encourages us in verse 14, to put our hope in Adonai, to be strong, and to let our heart take courage. It's interesting, this form, the way it's, it's put, worded, let your heart take courage. Do not give in to discouragement. Do not turn your back to courage, to encouragement, to hope. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Choose to let your heart take courage. Yes, put your hope in Adonai. That shows that we need to be active. We need to be determined. We need to decide to put our hope and our trust in God when we're faced with adversity. It's not something natural. For me, it's linked with fighting the good fight. It is linked with fighting the good fight. Turning to God and deciding to do the right thing. And very often the right thing is just sitting at his feet. Very often the right thing is just sitting at God's feet and drinking from the source that he is. Most often that's the right thing because that's where we hear the strategies. That's where he reveals his plans. Hear me out. I'm not encouraging you to not do anything to address situations. If you're facing uh, practical things, practical uh, hurdles, there are practical solutions to those. He is the God who gives us wisdom. We can ask him for wisdom. But the starting point is always Adonai. In the first half of the psalm, David starts with Adonai. In the second half of the psalm, he starts with Adonai. So let this psalm be an encouragement today to turn to God, who is the author and finisher of our faith. As we reassess our faith, 
Let's come to him and ask him, Father, examine my heart and show me where I'm at. Ever since the beginning of time, we hear from this, in, when we read in the Bible, Abraham, all the prophets, all the men and women of God, and even around us, we hope for rewards, the rewards, to benefit from the rewards, the blessings of God's protection. But too often, so often, we see trials and tribulations challenge our faith. In Psalm 27, David testifies once again that the love of God is achieved not by shutting our eyes, but through effort, through honesty, and openness to God. This Psalm 27 encourages us to be open to God, to come and unite, be one with God, to turn our eyes to God resolutely when we're faced with the worst troubles. David does not hide from life's troubles, but he, still, so he acknowledges that he's targeted and attacked and, and he, how difficult it is. He feels the fire burn him, the fire of the attacks. But he lives within the framework of faith. He lives from the point of view of faith. And this links to the words saying that we are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ. We have to choose that truth over what we see around us. And to know that what is sealed in the spirit realm will have an impact in the physical realm. The enemy attacks us in the spirit realm and we see the impact in the physical realm. In our bodies with sickness, in our finances, in our children, in breakdown in relationships, etc., etc. In the same way, when we set our eyes on things above, when we acknowledge and receive and believe and stand in this truth that we are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ, we will see doors open. We will see Gates lifted, we will see breakthroughs happening, we will see change, we will experience the deliverance of the Lord in the physical realm. In this week, let's renew our faith through searching our heart, asking the Lord to search our heart. Let's turn to God and say, the one thing I seek is oneness with you, because that's what he calls us to. He's the God who wants friends, who wants a family, who wants intimacy with you, as evidenced by this passage from Song of Songs, which is the acronym, of which Elul is the acronym, the acronym this month that we're in. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. So, I pray that you are blessed by this episode. Be encouraged, whatever you're facing at the moment, knowing that you are not alone in this. As we are, Peter puts it in the New Testament, we're all tested by fire at some point. And this fire produces, the testing produces endurance, which refines us and gets us ready for the next stages, the next steps that God has for us in the new year. This was episode 15 of the second season of Grace Touch in English. Blessings. Till next time.